Jeremiah 29, Isaiah 55, and Jeremiah 29. And on this first Sunday of 2019, what I want to do is I kind of want to hit the reset button um, where we reframe where we've been over the last two months as a faith family walking through the attributes of God. While at the same time, I want us to dive into a truth that I pray will resonate um, in our lives beyond just today. In fact, my prayer is that there will be ripples um, of this truth on display and, and it will bear fruit in our lives individually and as a faith family throughout this year and beyond. And let me just kind of set it up this way. So suppose I were to stop by your house holding a plate covered in tinfoil. And suppose I told you that Misty had made this chocolate cake that was out of this world, and as I was enjoying the very last piece, I looked down and saw all the crumbs, and I thought of you, and I wanted to bring them to you. Here you go. Now, how would that make you feel? I mean, if you like crumbs, then maybe pretty good. Um, if you don't, then maybe pretty crummy. Ha. Huh. But let's contrast that to let's say I showed up at your door and I was holding a cake pan and I said, hey, Misty just pulled and you can insert whatever cake you want it to be here. So just pulled this cake out of the oven. It's still hot. No one has touched it. I got here as fast as I could because I wanted you to have it. Here's the whole cake, although I did bring a fork in case you wanted to share so what would be um, your thoughts on that? How would that make you feel? And I think probably a whole lot better than just a plate full of crumbs. Now the question might be right now is what does that have to do with anything? And I'm glad you asked. Because last week we made a statement that will forever ring true and that is this. Although we cannot know God fully, we can know God truly. We cannot know God fully, but we can know Him truly. So we'll never be able to know all there is to know about God because He is infinite. Um, we are not, but yet we can know Him because He has revealed Himself to us. But think about this. God hasn't revealed Himself to us by leaving us a bunch of crumbs that we have to follow in order to find Him, or, nor, nor has God left us a bunch of crumbs that we have to put together in order to make an image of God. That is not the picture. God has made Himself Known. God longs for us to seek Him. God longs for us to know Him. So therefore, on this first Sunday of 2019, I want us to recommit ourselves as a faith family to seeking God this year. To seeking a God who can be known. To seeking God like never before. I mean, think about this. Is the God you serve worth seeking? If, if he's not, then I would suggest that you get a new God. And I would suggest you turn to the God of this word. Is he worth seeking? Does the God that you serve desire to be known? Our God does. In fact, let me say this. Your view of God is absolutely the most important thing about you. Nothing else in your life will impact your relationship with God, your relationship with others. Nothing will impact your identity, your decisions, the course of your life, everything in your life like your view of God. It all centers on what or who you believe God to be. 
Or as we've been quoting um, over and over again throughout this series um, that we've been going through, the series Behold, the words of A.W. Tozer who says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And then he says this, We tend by secret law of the soul to move towards our mental image of God. So the most important thing about us is what we think about God. And then whatever we think about God, we move in that direction. And here's the problem with that, or here's the good thing about that. We will always become like what we worship. So that can be a very good thing or that can be a very bad thing. We've witnessed this down through history where we worship inferior versions of God, whether it be money, status, security, power, pleasure, um, you name it, and we become like our idols. Or put it this way, if your God is money, you will become more and more stingy. If your God is sex, you will become more and more sensual. If your God is yourself, you will become more and more self-centered. If your God is stuff, you will become more and more materialistic. But if your God is the almighty creator of Scripture, then you have a lifetime of joy ahead of you. In fact, the Bible says we become more and more like him. I think of the words of the Apostle John in 1 John 3, 2, who tells us that we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. So I don't think it's an exaggeration for us to say today that the study of God is the most supreme study of our lifetime. And our seeking of God will lead us to unimaginable treasure. For the seeking of God lifts our thoughts, it steadies our nerves, it secures and strengthens our hopes. It's the greatest subject that we could ever study because he is the greatest being that can ever be sought or ever be known. Yet let me just lay this out here and kind of make sure we understand this. We are not seeking God because God is lost. Okay, we, we seek after our money that way. I mean, if you've ever misplaced money, I mean, you'll go through all kind of things. I mean, you'll dive in dumpsters in order to try to find that. Or if you've ever lost a pet, you'll hang um, signs or pictures all over your neighborhood. Or, um, God forbid, you ever um, misplace or lose sight of one of your children. I know none of us in here have ever done that. That's all the sorry parents out there. Never us. But, I mean, maybe if we're to be honest, there's been times that we've lost track or stopped looking at our children for me, it's happened maybe once or twice or 12 times. And my first thought is always, I'm going to be honest with you, my first thought is always, Misty's going to kill me. <laughs> and I, it makes me look a little harder and more intently um, in that moment because I've got to answer to mama. And then when I find Morgan or Madison or now Malachi, it's, don't say a word of this to, to, to your mother. We were playing a game. You were hiding. I found you. Everything is good. You know, when we talk about seeking God, that's not what we're, we're talking about. Um, and, and just think about this. God has not been misplaced, although there are times in our lives where we have to admit God has been neglected or God has remained unknown. I think one of the reasons that we don't love God like we should or that we don't seek God like we should is that we don't know him as we could. We don't know him as well as we should know him or could know him. So what I want us to do this morning is I want us to turn to the word of God, which is the ultimate revelation of God to us. 
And I want us to seek him in and through his word. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor God's word. We're going to read Isaiah 55, 6 together, and then turn over and read Jeremiah 29, 13 together. And it says this, Isaiah 55, 6, it says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. And if we can turn over to Jeremiah 29, verse 13 Oftentimes we stop at that promise of verse 11 and never get to verse 13, but it says this, the words of God, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you now, and God, I pray that every person in this room, that we could pray to you right now, God, in sincerity, with sincerity, we want to know you. We want to know you. Father, you are saying, seek me before it's too late. You're saying, seek me and you'll find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Father, today, help us to begin a journey this year that has us seeking you like never before. Holy Spirit, we pray in us that you would give us a white-hot passion to seek you like never before. God, just lead us in this time together today in a way that makes much of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. So I think if most of us in this room today were honest, and as I like to say a lot, church is a very good place to be honest in, So if we were to be honest, most of us would have to admit that oftentimes our relationship with God feels a whole lot like a roller coaster. We're up, we're down, we get spun all over the place, and oftentimes we're left feeling sick and not wanting to do it ever again. And that's how we are a lot of times in our relationship with the Lord. We're on fire for God, then we don't feel anything, and we wonder What should we do? The question becomes, how can we stop this up and down ride with God that we seem to be on? And let me say something this morning that I'm going to kind of lay this before you. I'm going to kind of sit this in your lap and this might sting a little bit. But I think we need to hear this. The reason most of us have a roller coaster relationship with God is because we value circumstances more than we value his word. And what I mean by that is this. We get our view of God based on what we're going through instead of based on what he has told us he is in his word. Therefore, if our lives are going great and everything is going the way we want them to go, then praise God, my God is awesome. He is amazing. But if our world is falling apart and all of a sudden the roller coaster ride has stopped upside down and we're dangling there, It is, what's this God doing and is he even worthy of my trust or my faith in this moment? And if you're taking notes, write this down. You cannot trust your feelings. Write that down in all capitals. You cannot trust your feelings. Your feelings have nothing to do with the fact of God's word. Feelings will come and feelings will go. Feelings will fool you and will fool me, but the truth will not. 
The truth will stand. Therefore, if you seek truth, in seeking truth, you will find Him. But let me also say this. We must make sure that we are seeking God on His terms and His terms alone. We don't seek God on our terms. In fact, think about this. The Word of God, Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart. And let me just say, most people stop there. And they believe, I just want to love God with my emotions. I just want to have one emotional experience after another emotional experience after another emotional experience. And guess what they never love God with? Jesus says, your heart, your, your soul, your mind, with all your strength, love, your, love God with all. Don't just stop with your feelings. For feelings, our feelings cannot sustain us in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of things that we can't solve. So what I want us to do today, anchored in the Word of God, I want us to dive into three truths that relate to us seeking a God who may be known. So three truths related to us seeking a God who may be known. The first truth is this. Let's look at first the problem of seeking God. The problem of seeking God. I'm going to kind of give us some more warnings here. And I know that the thought must be right now, um, how could there be a problem with seeking God? How could there possibly, how could you possibly say seeking God could be a problem? And let me just say this. The problem occurs when you and I bring faulty beliefs and faulty assumptions into our seeking. Meaning when you and I worship or seeking something that is not God but yet we call it God. There are three warnings that I want to flesh out when it comes to the problem of seeking God. The first is this. The, the first warning is that God is not like us. Maybe that shocks you this morning, but this God that we serve, the God of this book, the God of the Word, He is not like us. Now, our sinful tendency is we think of a person around us that's the most holy, most moral, most kind person that we know, and then we say, multiply it by 10 or by 100 or even a million, and we say, well, God is like that person times whatever amount it is. But here's what I want you to know. That's not true. That's not true. First, we have a category for created things. Even angels are in that category, and it's called creation. And then we have a category for God. He is completely other than His creation. He is the eternal one. No beginning and no end. He is the holy one, meaning not only is He without sin, He is without equal. So when it comes to God, we are talking about a category that we can't even wrap our heads around. And then I think of the words of Isaiah the prophet. Because when it comes to God, this is not a new problem. So in Isaiah 40, verses 25 through 28, listen to what um, God says to the prophet Isaiah. God says, To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. So God says, Who's like me who has breathed out the stars, all of them? I've called them by name, and not one of them is missing. And God is saying to us, Can you do that? Again, we can't even keep up with our children for a 24 hour period without something bad happening. And God's saying, Just the stars alone, I put them there, and they're still there because I see fit for them to be there. And then God goes on to say this, have you not known? 
Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. God is just completely different than us. And that is helpful for us to hear that. That's why when the Ten Commandments say, you shall have no other gods before me, no images, it means nothing can reduce this God. Nothing can put him in a box. You know that we, we love to have these little boxes of comfortability that we like to put our gods in. And we like to carry our God around. And then in case of emergency, we break glass and we like to let our God out. The problem is, if you think of yourself as carrying around a box and your God being in it, that can never happen with the God of this word. In fact, what I mean by that is this. This God cannot be controlled and this God cannot be contained. So think about it like this. This God, the first warning is he is not like us, which leads us to the second warning is that when left to ourselves, we tend to reduce God to manageable terms. So when left to ourselves, we tend to reduce God to manageable terms. In other words, instead of falling down at his feet, as we sang about earlier, as servants before this holy God, we try to make God our servant and we try to use him. This is the type of thinking that we think about. Turn with me to Exodus 32. So Exodus chapter 32, think about the story of, of Moses and Israel and, and Aaron. And so most of us know this story. The people of Israel had seen God's power. They, they had seen God's power on display through the plagues. They had seen the Red Sea split and they walked across on dry ground. They had seen a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. They had been fed by manna each and every morning um, because God is faithful. They had been brought to Mount Sinai. In Exodus 20, we read about God speaking the Ten Commandments to the people and the, com the people saying to Moses, we don't want to hear God again because if we hear him again, we're going to die. So Moses, just let him talk to you and then you can tell us what he said because that's just too much for us. So Moses is called up on the mountain where Moses is receiving the commands of God. He's getting um, the Ten Commandments on a, a tablet. And so as that is happening, the ultimate picture of while the cat is away, the mice are playing. So follow along. We're going to read Exodus 32. And I want you to listen as I read and just think about how this group of people who had seen the powerful hand of God, who had experienced rescue from God, how they quickly reduce this God into something they can control. Exodus 32, beginning at verse 1, it says this, When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up, make us gods who shall go before us. And for, for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. 
So not only did Moses make this image, guess what he's doing now? He's calling people to call it the Lord. He's holding up a golden calf and saying, this is Yahweh. This is our God. And look at verse 6. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Which meaning they just completely lost control and they went completely haywire. And so follow with me here. Just think about this. The people basically say, we can't see this God, so we're going to take something that we have and we're going to make it into a God. We're going to call it Yahweh. We're going to call it the Lord. Then we're going to worship it and we're going to create a religion out of it that fits us. And no one seems to have a problem with it at all. Let me make this very clear. Anytime you and I try to judge God by our standards or anytime we try to reduce God to where we can manage him, we are no longer talking about the God of the Bible. No longer talking about this God. For we cannot reduce this God. But here's the scary reality. is We do this all the time. This isn't just an Old Testament issue. We do this all the time. We want to create a God in our image. A God that we can control and a God that we can use. And then the third warning is this. The third warning is that He, God, not happiness, is the goal of our seeking. He, not happiness, is the goal of our seeking. And this is actually going to be our third point today, but I, I want to quickly touch on it. Because if we are not careful, we will give way to the belief that God has promised us and owes us nothing but happiness. And so we take God and we mold God into our image and we say this, if I read the Bible every day, if I pray a few times a day, if I give, if I go to church, if I go on mission trips, if I read all kind of Christian self-help books, if I do all the things that a good Christian is supposed to do, then if I do those things, I'm going to have an unbelievably deep marriage. My kids are never going to get into trouble. I'm never going to have um, depression. Nothing bad is ever going to happen in my life. It's all going to work out the way I want it to. All I have to do is do this. And ultimately what we are saying is we are worshiping our own happiness over worshiping him. And what we are saying is our personal fulfillment is more important than his revelation of himself to us. As if he is supposed to fulfill our agenda. Or as if it's his job to keep us happy, happy, happy. So the problem is, think about this, when cancer strikes, when our kids have rough patches, when our marriages have seasons of difficulty, or when life just stinks, what do we do? And let me tell you what we do. We say, God, what's the deal? I'm doing everything I said I was going to do. I'm doing that. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm doing it all. God, the only one that's not doing what they're supposed to do is you. You know what we do? We get upset at God because he's not doing what he never promised us he would do. God never promised that he would give us everything we wanted. God never promised us that our goal in this life is to be happy. In fact, let me just say this. If we seek happiness over seeking God, we will end up with neither God nor happiness. But if we seek Him, 
we will end up with not just him, we will end up with a joy that is so much deeper than just um, surface happiness. This is what we can have in him. So just think about this. When it comes to seeking God, are you seeking God as the beginning and the end and everything in between? Or are you seeking God as a means to an end? You know, seeking God does not mean using him to do what you want him to do. For ultimately, that's not Christianity. That's paganism. Paganism is we, we view God as some crotchety old person and we appease him and in his crotchetiness he gives us what we want because we have done what we said we were going to do that is not christianity that's that's paganism that is not what we are about ultimately we're not seeking god for earthly happiness we're seeking god for eternal wealth for eternal treasure that cannot be taken away from us may we never forget who it is that we are called to seek According to the Bible, our God is the everlasting Father. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our counselor, our creator. He is our great physician. He is the God of all grace. His name is the I Am. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the Holy One of Israel. He is Jehovah. He is Most High. He is Lord. He is our rock and our refuge and our strength. Trying to comprehend the person of God is trying to like ask your kids to capture all the galaxies on an Etch-A-Sketch. And some of you have no idea what that is, youth, and I'm sorry about that. Let's just say you can't do it. So you, you can't do it. We can't comprehend God and we can't draw all the galaxies on an Etch-A-Sketch. Although some of what I did on the edge of sketch, I was like, it's got to be it, right? I mean, that's it. That's about as good as it could get. But the Bible, think about this. Although we can't truly get to the bottom of God, the Bible encourages us to seek him. God seeks to be sought. God desires to be worshipped. God reveals himself truly and powerfully to willing people. So let us not fall short in our seeking meaning let us not seek any, anything short of him. So the problem of our seeking God is if we find ourselves seeking anything that's not him. Do not, do not fall short in your seeking. Which leads us to the second truth. So first of all, the problem of seeking God. Secondly, the promise of seeking God. And so again, I want to kind of begin with a, a problem before I touch on the beautiful promise. So I, think about this. How many of you this morning, seriously, if I told you, there is a million dollars buried in your backyard. And I gave you proof of that to you. How many of you would finish out the service, go out to eat, enjoy a nice lunch with your family, go shopping and buy a few things for the week, go home and take a nap, get up and watch either a playoff game or once again just tune into Hallmark and um, another amazing plot um, on, on the Hallmark Channel and just enjoy that. You know, how many of you would do that? No, we would not do that. Let me tell you what you would do. First of all, many of you um, would jump up and you would run out even before the service is over. Rude. 
so stinking rude. But you would go home as fast as you could and you would dig and you would dig and you would dig some more until you found that treasure. And in that moment, you would not care what your neighbors thought and you wouldn't even care what your pastor thought. Um, you wouldn't care that, you're, that you got up and either calmly walked out of the church service in the middle of a message or that you ran and knocked people over in order to get out. All you would care about is the treasure is yours. Would that not be true of most of us in this room? And I say most of us because some of you are asleep, so you would miss the, the announcement and you would wake up thinking the rapture had happened and that might be a good thing as well. Yet think about this. Think about with me, the God of this word has given us promises that we do not value, that we do not act upon, and that we do not claim. I saw a story recently that every year $5.8 billion in gift cards go unclaimed. $5.8 billion that has been paid for, and yet it's not being claimed. Some of us are going, how do I do that? How do I go about doing that? How do I jump in on that deal? But $5.8 billion, but the same, it's the same way with God's promises. The Bible tells us that every promise finds its fulfillment. It's amen in Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God. And just listen to God's promises as it's related to seeking God. Proverbs 8.17 says, I love those who love me and those who seek me diligently find me. Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Matthew 7, 7, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, it will be open to you. And these aren't just promises for superstar Christians. These aren't just promises for people who went to Bible college. These aren't just promises for people who have been saved over 30 years. These are promises for all of us in this room. If we seek Him with all of our hearts, we will find Him. Which begs the question, how are we currently seeking Him? There's a French proverb that says, a good meal ought to begin with hunger. And let me just say this, the reason most of us get nothing out of our Bible reading, we get nothing out of attending church, is because we don't come hungry. We are so filled up with the things of this world, the junk food of this world, that there is no hunger or appetite in our hearts at all for God. The question for us needs to be, are we truly hungry for Him? Do we thirst for Him? For if we seek Him diligently, we will find Him. For He is not hiding from us. He is revealing Himself to us. So, first of all, the problem of seeking God is seeking anything other than God. Secondly, the promise of seeking God. We will find Him if we seek Him with all of our hearts. And then third is the purpose of seeking God. So the third is the purpose of seeking God. Let me just give you the, the point real quick in a nutshell. The purpose of seeking God is knowing God. That's the purpose. The purpose of you and I seeking God is that we will know God. We talk about seeking the, the presence of God or in, in, in the Bible, especially in the Hebrew, the word presence means face. 
When we went through the book of Jonah, we said when Jonah was fleeing the presence of God, he wasn't just fleeing an assignment from God. He was fleeing the face of God. He was fleeing a relationship with God. He was running away from a relationship with Almighty God. We are seeking his face. We are, we are seeking relationship with him. And think about what, think about seeking his face and think about what David says in Psalm 27. David says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And get this, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. David says, I want to see his face. I want to gaze upon the face of the Lord. I want to gaze in his presence. I want to stay there. We are made to know God. We're not just made to know facts about God. We're made to know Him as our Father, as our Creator, as our Sustainer. When we don't know God, we don't know anything. When we don't know God, we really don't know anything. For our, Without God, our lives are as incomplete as the sky would be without a sun. Our soul found, finds rest in Him and Him alone. Therefore, the most important thing about my life and your life is not what we do, it's not where we go, it's not who we're with, it's not how high we rise or how long we live or how influential we think we are. The most important thing in our life is Him and how we relate to Him. For if we don't relate to Him, then we have missed it all. Nothing compares to knowing Him. He seeks to be known. And again, though our finite minds can't wrap around all there is to know about him, our souls can find rest in him. When everything around, around us fails, he is the unfailing, timeless, changeless one. When everything around us falls and falters, he is our immovable rock. And let me give you one more promise. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, we are told that faith pleases God, and we believe that faith still pleases God. But it says this, Whoever would draw near to God must believe that, God, that He exists, and get this, and that He rewards those who seek Him. Let me say it again in case you missed it. He rewards. God rewards those who seek him. And what is our reward? Brothers and sisters, it's not just an experience. It's not just something that we can tell people about. Our reward is him. We get him now and we get him forever. I want to end with a story this morning. There was once a young man who went up to an older pastor after a church service and said, Pastor, I want to know how I can know God more. How can I find God? What can I do to find God? And the older pastor looked at the young man and said, meet me at the river behind the church after lunch. So after lunch, the young man finds his way, goes down to the river, and there stands the pastor at the bank. And the pastor said to the young man, please restate your question again. And the young man said, what do I need to do to find God? How can I know him more? And before he could even finish, the older pastor grabbed the young man, threw him in the water, held him underneath the water, and refused to let him up. And held him, and held him, and held him to where if anyone was watching, it would get really uncomfortable. 
And finally the older pastor let go and of course the young man came shooting up out of the water gasping for air and also saying a lot of unchristlike things about his pastor. And in the midst of it all, the older pastor calmly looked at this young man and said boldly and lovingly, young man, if you seek God like you just sought that last breath, you'll find him. If you seek God, like you just sought that breath, you'll find him. All of us in this room, I, I remember as a kid, for some reason, I was the guy that always used to get my breath knocked out of me. It happened all the time. And in that moment when my breath was gone, I wasn't thinking about a steak. I wasn't thinking about a good football game. I wasn't even thinking about Misty. All I was thinking about in that moment is air. <laughs> Give me, I need a breath. That's all I need in that moment. And that's all my body desired. Brothers and sisters, if we seek God like we seek breath, when we don't have it, we will find him. Not because he's hiding from us and we'll sneak up on him, but because he will reveal himself to us in ways that we have never seen him before. Will you seek God that way this year? I'm praying again for ripples all over this room, all over our lives, and for lasting effects of us as a people who are seeking this God fervently, who are desiring him like we desire breath when we don't have it. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand with me. We're going to go ahead and call the musicians down and as we enter into a time of invitation and consecration where we say whatever the Lord is telling you to do, that you would do it. But here's what I know. I know the Lord is telling us as a faith family to seek Him like never before. To seek Him now. Seek Him throughout this year. To desire Him more than we've ever desired Him. Let's pray together. Father, we come before You. And God, our request this morning is that You would allow us to see how much we need You. God, awaken our hearts. Tune our hearts, God, to you. Where sin is so deceptive and sin tunes our hearts to everything but you. Spirit of God, tune our hearts to desire you today. God, help us this day in a fresh and a new way, or maybe like we've never, ever done before, to seek you like we would seek breath if we didn't have it. Knowing that if we seek you that way, oh God, we will find you. For you will make yourself known. Father, have your way all across this room today. That we as your people would seek you like never before. We would not delight in other things, Lord, but that we would delight in you. Have your way. Have your way, O oh God. In Jesus' name, amen.